Hello, everyone. I am Matt Landis, and you are listening to the Tink Tink Club podcast. One of the most incredible feelings that you discover when you involve yourself in the psychedelic community is the warm and wonderful sense of welcome. It's one of the major reasons that there is a growing number of people becoming involved in the psychedelic community and with such fervor. The whole thing is like a psychedelic experience itself. You start off curious. You're unsure what's behind that veil, but your curiosity pushes you just a little deeper into asking a few questions. Those questions turn into more questions. Slowly, you start to get some answers, too. The answers may be vague, and you don't mind at first, but humans are naturally curious animals, so you go a little deeper. You begin to direct your energy towards it, and eventually, you give in entirely. That moment when you finally surrender yourself to the universe is a feeling I'm sure many of us can agree is beautiful beyond words. Once you see what has passed the veil, well, you can't really put the veil back down. And it's that open-mindedness that also makes the community so great. I always look forward with such immense pleasure to meeting and speaking with the incredible people we get to have here on the Tink Tink Club. Our guest this week is someone who exemplifies all of those positive aspects of the psychedelic community that I just mentioned. Ashley Booth is a psychedelic ambassador and creator of the AWARE Project, whose aim is to educate the public and spread a deeper and truer understanding of psychedelics and the ways in which these medicines can heal our world. The work that Ashley is doing now will send ripples through the ethos and manifest as a brighter universe. You can find more talks and videos of Ashley, as well as information about events, news, and ways to support and get involved at awareproject.org. So get ready to think, learn, understand, and grow along with us as we skate through the slipstream of consciousness and integration with Ashley Booth. Welcome back to the Ting Ting Club. I am Matt Landis. I'm Chris Conti. I'm Tim Kang. And today we are here with someone who has been working tirelessly in recent years to reshape and legitimize the conversation around psychedelics and to bring this newly legitimized conversation into the 21st century. Uh, as a self-described psychedelic ambassador, she has been encouraging and facilitating a welcoming environment for people to safely come out of the psychedelic closet through her public talks and interviews uh, she's the creator of the Aware Project, which you can find at awareproject.org. Uh, please welcome to the Tink Tink Club, Ashley Booth. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. Uh, it's so nice to talk to you. Uh, yeah, it's great to be here. You've you've done so much for the psychedelic community at large in such a brief period of time. It's like nothing short of inspiring, honestly. Mm. Uh, I know exactly what you mean when you say that you feel compelled to sort of like <laughs> educate the world about these tools. But like, what was the what was the that compulsion, the, the original reason that you started the AWARE project? Yeah, because <laughs> it, it has been quite, quite, I mean, it's probably only been, it's, it's been like just over a year that we've been yeah. um, doing the AWARE project. Um, and then I started giving talks like only like nine months before that. So <laughs> it's been fast. Um, yeah, so um, I mean, the, the biggest catalyst, I mean, I've been doing different kinds of psychedelics and MDMA mm -hmm for the past like 10 years as I started going to Burning Man. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of came out of, of that world. Um, but in the last couple of years, starting to get more into kind of the ceremonial use of different types of mm -hmm. psychoactives. And I had an experience with 5-methoxydimethyltryptamine uh, or 5-MeO-DMT, right. not to be confused with and then DMT, which is right, what most right. people call it, totally DMT. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I mean, they're, they're related in structure, but the effects are pretty radically different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> just to jump right in, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm like <laughs> right off the bat. Um, yeah, I, the experience I had, I mean, for those that don't know, cause it's still pretty obscure, mm -hmm. um, it's um, a compound that's made by our own bodies naturally. Um, NNDMT is also made endogenously. Right. And um, it's found in, both of them are found in a lot of plants and 
5-MeO specifically is found in very high concentra- concentrations in the venom ducts of the Sonoran Desert Toad, which is this Sounds like so exotic. amazing <laughs> cosmic like joke and also yeah, like beautiful yeah. fairy tale. <laughs> right. Yeah, like kissing kissing a toad, but right. you don't want to lick the toad. Don't lick the toad. <laughs> you can't ingest it like Just that. Just a little taste. Yeah, don't taste. be doing well, that. You, yeah, you can't. It would make you sick if you tried to eat it. Um, <laughs> there, you don't want to eat the toad, but you wouldn't want to like eat the venom either. It would make mm-hmm. you sick because um, the way that you do the 5-MeO um, is by smoking it, mm-hmm. and that burns off the toxins. Okay. Um, and I had actually my first experience was with a synthetic 5-MeO, so it was not from the toad venom, but um, it, <laughs> I had this um, – I mean, it, it makes you, your consciousness completely leave your body for about the span of about 20 to 40 minutes. Um, and it's really important to have someone that is, knows the terrain and can um, kind of take care of your body um, while you're gone because right. sometimes the body wants to get up and move around. And mm-hmm. when you're not coordinated, you can like hurt yourself. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my PSA. Like do not do this with people, you know, that don't know what they're doing or right. you just, you know, dosing is really important as well. I think so. we should precursor all of our psychedelic experiences like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah just be careful. <laughs> yeah. Get someone that has done it before. <laughs> right, um, right. Preferably someone that can do it in a, a ceremonial context because <laughs> this is the most powerful psychedelic um, sure. that we mm-hmm. know of. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the experience that I had was I, um, I mean, it comes on within like 10 seconds and you just get blasted off. Mm. (laughs) Um, Not unlike an NDMT where you just like suddenly in this new space. But, um, you know, I I just kind of dissolved into this like beautiful white, like almost like rainbow fractal light. And um, and I had this mystical experience where I encountered this infinitely loving and infinitely compassionate consciousness Mm -hmm. and um it completely just blew my heart open and um i you know came back into my body and i was just weeping with gratitude and just couldn't believe that something so incredibly healing was illegal (laughs) <laughs> and it just it and and you know while my heart was blasted open, it still broke my heart that more people didn't have access yeah. to this. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and it 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 was a I mean this, and then I, it took the next year and a half to integrate this experience because mm-hmm. um, I was an atheist for most of my life, so <laughs> to have this like mystical experience was. Um, Uh, life-changing to say the least and i mean it was the most you know and and it continues to be the most important experience of my life you know Um, we've talked we talked to uh james fadiman about um integration period mm -hmm. integration period for dmts like years it's not even just the year and a half that it's been for you it's like the rest of your life oh yeah yeah exactly yeah and that's often what i say (laughs) it's like well i'm gonna be integrating for the rest of my life but i mean (laughs) The the bulk of the bulk of it came in that first year and a half because it was like completely shifting. Like my ego had to catch up with this new sure. information that it wasn't. It wasn't a knowledge that was in my head. It was a knowledge that was in my heart and in my body, mm-hmm. um, which I'd never had any experience with something like that before. Wow. And and so you know, I I was like, didn't I? You know. Didn't, I didn't come from a religious background yeah, and I didn't have any, you know, I've been doing yoga since I was 17 mm-hmm. and I had started doing kundalini yoga. Um, gosh, uh, it was probably a couple years before that. Um, and so at least that was a little bit of a spiritual context. And so, you know, because I didn't have any kind of container to put my experience in, you know, and I didn't have any, it, yeah, so it was just disorienting in that way. Um, and so because Kundalini yoga had been a part of, you know, my life already, you know, and, um, at the, at the when I went to those classes before, you know, they would talk about, you know, God or something in mm-hmm. the, in the classes right, and I would just right. be like, ah, whatever. And just kind Roll of like insert, eyes, yeah. insert like <laughs> mystery of the universe. And sure, I was okay yeah. with that. Right. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, I mean, I just, I, I jumped into nine months of Kundalini yoga teacher training. <laughs> oh, and then I did, um, uh, like four months of, I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard of Landmark, but it's, um, I didn't do Landmark, but I did another program that's sort of similar to Landmark. Hmm. Um, and it's just sort of like, a they call them like what large group awareness programs training. And it's oh, okay. like, yeah, sure. it's kind yeah. of using a lot of like modern psychology to kind of help people see what they're their patterns are and, you know, your, your victim stories and, and, you know, getting your life on track in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like having that to kick me in the butt in certain ways. And then also doing all this Kundalini yoga to help me kind of ground in this sort of spiritual tradition, um, really went a long way. Yeah, well, um, so. and so what also came out of that was just that like wanting to, give back. It was like, yeah, this like compulsion to give back in any way because I felt like I had received so much from this medicine um, that was so incredibly healing that, you know, I, I can't, I can't fully put it into words. Yeah. It's, it's tough without getting emotional. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's trying to, it's the ineffable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, it's, um, it sounds like you had like a perfect convergence of like the universe just came together at just the right time and mm-hmm. it just made so much sense. Yeah, it did. And, and, and I, I mean, I, and I've been kind of trying to figure out now, like, you know, what, what parts of, you know, how, like piecing together, like, what is it that we're doing here? What is this planet? What is these, you know, these like bodies that we're in? Like what, what is going on here? And I haven't really, you know, come to any sort of definitive conclusions <laughs> about any of this stuff, but, but I do, um, that love and that compassion that I felt that was like the most real thing that I've ever experienced yeah. before. And yeah. so everything on top of that, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I know that that was real. <laughs> And, um, and in a way that I can, you know, become a more clear channel for mm-hmm. love and compassion in the world. Yeah. You like, just wanna, that's my goal. You just mm-hmm. want to carry that torch for other people. Like, their yeah. Pathway, right? yeah. Yeah. And I mean, then in any way that I can, um, like contribute or like support anyone else in like even having the smallest, tiniest experience of that love and compassion that I felt, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's me just being really present with someone as they're going through something tough or, you know, making someone laugh when they're, you know, need to, you know, get out of their head a little bit or, you know, or, you know, supporting people with integration, you know, work, um, you know, from having a powerful psychedelic experience, like all of these things. Uh, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, it's just, so then I, you know, from there it was like, okay, well, I have this science background because um, I have a master's in physical oceanography, and that was um, the well, job that awesome. I've been yeah. <laughs> career that I've been doing for the last ten years up mm-hmm. until about four weeks ago, um, <laughs> when I uh, quit my quit my day job because um, it was not um, it's just my heart wasn't in it anymore, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I, it's like, it was a really great and I feel like, you know, having that science background and that skepticism is really continues to serve me, um, especially trying to navigate this sort of much more subjective kind of world. Um, let me ask you a question. Yeah. What would you say to the people who say that you had that experience while you were tripping? Do you think that people think that makes it less of a real mm. or tangible thing? Mm hmm. Yeah, I've thought about that because I was like, if I was telling this story to my past self, mm-hmm. I'd be like, "Get out of here!" Yeah, you know, like, whatever. Come on, shut up. <laughs> like, yeah, like, okay. yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean, um, I don't really want people to like believe me. You know, right. I want people oh, I to be curious, or <laughs> and I want them to, you know, this stuff. No one has ever died from an experience of having right. a five meo experience. Um, your, your body makes it like mm-hmm. have your own experience if you're curious, you right. know, exactly, um, exactly. Just, I don't want, you know, I like, I'm not, and that goes for anything and I'm not like encouraging any illegal activity. Um, sure, of sure. course, um, no, absolutely um, it is legal, um, in Mexico or it's mm. unscheduled in Mexico, just right. FYI. <laughs> um, <laughs> for but, anyone curious, um, <laughs> but it's sort of like, you know, I'm, I, everyone has their own path and it, and um, you know, I don't want it like I, there's just so much like, I mean, these psychedelics and these, these chemicals are just so incredibly fascinating, even just from like a scientific perspective, like 
let's just learn more about this stuff, you know, and, and, you know, and it's, these things are safe. And if you are curious, have your own experience, you know, yeah. don't take my word for it. Right. right. We get to be the, uh, the, uh, and this is inappropriate for, you know, your, your past job, but you get to mm-hmm. be the sailors on the, the ocean of consciousness, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Get to mm-hmm. explore this sort of like new, you know, there's always that old adage that's like, we were born too late to explore the planet, too early to explore space, but we we're born right in time to explore human consciousness. Mm. Ooh, you know, that's like, a good how, one. How lucky, one. how lucky are we? It's like... <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, every day, I mean, I, I just, I take a moment of gratitude to mm-hmm. just realize that I have one of the best possible lives on this planet so far. Yeah. By far. <laughs> by far. You know, how great even, does that even feel, right? before <laughs> I had my 5-MEO experience, yeah, yeah. you know, I live... In America, I was grew, grew up in a like nice, happy family, you mm-hmm. know, and have an education, and right. um, have never been abused, and you know, and I'm smart and grounded and happy, and and then I got to have this crazy <laughs> mystical experience. That how many people in the history of time have been able to even have anywhere close to that experience? Oh, right, how yeah. wonderful! And a that? lot of people are looking for it too, yeah. but they're looking yeah, in the wrong places. Our souls are all looking for mm-hmm. you know that reunite reunion with sort of the that love right. you know, you just, know? To, just to backtrack a little bit why don't you just yeah. why don't you tell everybody what the aware project actually what you actually do with totally the aware project. Yeah. sorry we kind of like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> on on. um yeah so the aware project um the full name is the aware project rethinking psychedelics hmm. um and originally it started off as being the original idea was to create a platform for people to share um or to encourage people to become what we sort of um, named like psych- being a psychedelic ambassador. Um, and by that, I mean that, you know, it's like you, if you were going to go to, you know, like if you wanted to learn about China <laughs> mm-hmm. or, and you're, you wanted to like, you know, you, you wouldn't send, you know, you wouldn't have someone that's never been to China be the ambassador to China. Right. You exactly. know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't <laughs> want someone that has been experienced in the, in the landscape. So, you know, for those of us who've been, have had experiences in the psychedelic space, you know, we, we need to be the ambassadors and the bridgers to this like other country basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and part of that is, you know, coming out of the psychedelic closet and, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, releasing this like, uh, culturally imposed shame around drug usage. Mm. Because not all drugs are the same. And, and even then, even, even if you are doing drugs that are considered the more like darker ones, you know, that are more addictive, like, you know, you're probably doing it because you're trying to self-medicate because you need help, you know, and that's not something to be shunned either. You know, people yeah. need help. So, um, but anyway, I'm getting off track. But <laughs> so the Aware Project, so it was originally like the idea was to try and encourage people to come out of the psychedelic closet um, and give a new face to psychedelia. Um, and what it's sort of morphed into is um, community events here um, in Los Angeles, bringing and speakers to talk about, again, various aspects of psychedelia and just creating a meeting and gathering space. And so we've had, we've been doing events now for over a year, um, monthly events. And um, we did a big bicycle day event last year. Excellent. We'll be doing That's a bicycle right. day this year again, oh, but awesome. probably a little bit smaller given I've got like a lot of balls in the air right now. So yeah, now I'm, I'm, we always started doing two talks a month now. I'm doing one on the west side of LA and one downtown because um, cool. LA is enormous right. and uh, it's hard to get around. So just trying to expand the, the community out and we've been growing and growing um, and, you know, getting a lot of positive feedback from people that are really just enjoying coming and having a space that they can be around other like-minded people. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah. Um, and then our next project that we're going to wear project phase two, um, <laughs> we're launching an integration support program. So, I'm really excited about that, and that's what I'm madly working on now that I've finished my job. Um, I'm working with two friends. Um, one is a licensed social worker, and then another one is um, finishing up a master's in psychology right now, both with a focus on um, psychedelic medicine. Um, wow. 
And yeah, well, what? Yeah, the, the licensed social worker. She actually yeah. was helping out with. Um, do you guys um, know about the um, the research study with Alicia Danforth? Yes. Um, at a UCLA, she's doing a study using uh, MDMA to look or look at the impact of MDMA assisted therapy for people on the autism spectrum to right, support right. them okay. there um, in reducing social anxiety. Mm. So um, my friend. Uh, Erica has been helping her um, as like, I think she's the project coordinator for that. That's uh, so yeah, so the three of us are putting together this integration support program to provide both preparation and intention setting and integration support um, services for people planning to or have already had a psychedelic experience. So we're like we're like the bookends to the experience. <laughs> we don't provide any medicines. We don't provide any right, right, connections sure. to right. any local facilitators um, or you know providers. But we provide that support before and after because you know that's where the real work. That's is. right. <laughs> so would this would this be a center or a phone line to call or how would that work? Yeah. So what it's going to look like is um, we're pr- we're probably going to start off as having local group meetings. Um, so it'll be kind of like almost like an AA model where where you have sort of like, um, we'll have a public meeting that's like a donation based meeting. Um, and that will be kind of more open and then we'll have more of like, okay, you want to be part of like a program and then you'll have a meeting like with a small group and if, and a counselor that will meet weekly and probably only have like one of the meetings be like in person. So everyone gets to meet each other, but then the rest will be via Skype or Google Hangouts or something because, you know, it's LA, it's like really hard to get around and, you know, <laughs> right. trying to get everybody in the same place at the same time <laughs> is really challenging. Right. Um, and so, but then coming off of that, what will probably, because most of it will be off Skype or um, on phone calls, because with, with the, after, in addition to the group, the group meetings, you'll also have like, um, um, a, a, like provided have like one-on-one calls with one of the counselors so you can get that one-on-one support as well. Um, and so since most of it is going to be via phone or Skype, the, the, the aim is to eventually make this something that anywhere in the world can participate in. Oh, that would be awesome. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. We would love to do something like this yeah. too. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, we're so I'm working with, um, you know, several counselors that have both therapeutic um, training as well as entheogenic experience to be the counselors. Um, I'm in the process of going through, um, I'm going to be starting off Hakomi training, which is a somatic based psychotherapy, um, <laughs> that's uh, interesting. Yeah. program. So I'm starting that. And so that's going to be kind of, um, so I won't be leading groups right off the bat cause I sure. don't have um, the therapeutic background, mm-hmm. um, right now, but you know, I've, I've been, supporting people with this work on kind of a more informal basis. But yeah. I want to just make sure that we have, um, you know, qualified, like, experience, yeah. <laughs> you know, because, that's, you know, lets people trust of, it more that way. Yeah. It's well, I mean, just, I mean, you need that, you know, the, the better the people, the, the better the integration, you know what right. I mean? I right. And, and there's a lot of self-proclaimed shamans and right. all yeah. sorts of things yeah. that, you know, out there that, um, you know, I'm sure some of them are doing a lot. I mean, a lot of good, and other ones, I don't know. You know, Show there's some, some bad apples. Yeah, and there's just you know, a lot of people confuse the power of the medicines with their own power, ah, and mm. that's a really dangerous place that's a very to put yourself. Important distinction in. to make, wow. absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So I don't really consider what we're doing. We're not. We're not healers. Yep. Yeah, sure. um, we're just providing a space for healing to occur. Wow. Now, you know, you mentioned that you're a yoga instructor. Yeah. So I'm also, yeah. And then I'm also a Kundalini yoga so, teacher. Uh, I, I don't know if in the Kundalini practice you do uh, Savasana at the end mm-hmm. of the practice. That's, <clears throat> to me, that's like integration. Totally. Yeah. Like that's the most important part of the whole practice. Right. You just sort of download everything that you just, that just happened to you and let it sink in. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. so what you're doing is basically like a, uh, in person Shavasana. The, yeah, that's yeah, so that's cool. a great, great way to think about it. That's super cool. That's very yeah. cool. And the, the other thing that we want to talk about, it seems like you want to do too, is is to talk about changing the language. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the kind of thing that you want to work that you're going to be working with the uh, 
the psychologists that you're going to be working with on, like changing things like bad trip to difficult experience or, or challenging, yeah, yeah, challenging things like that, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like um, the Zendo Project, which is another harm mm-hmm. reduction uh, yeah. group that Absolutely. they do harm reduction at festivals. That's <clears throat> what maps um the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies yep. has um been organizing <laughs> and um they're trying to change the language too you know cause they say like mm-hmm. you know we're not you know cuz for the people that they serve there you know we're just sitting we're not guiding you know and we're yeah. you know like this is not a bad trip it's just challenging you know right, and um you know and i mean i think part of part of it is language it's yeah because it because it, it happens you know the language it it depends on what fear, sphere you're talking to because if you're talking to people that are kind of psychedelic experienced then it's or or they're you know relatively new to psychedelics then it's like yeah making sure that you change you know like yeah. challenging versus bad um, <laughs> and also uh, another one that I talked to Zach Zach Leary about on the podcast that I did with him was like. Um, like finding your, your purpose versus creating your purpose. Mm, okay. That's a, that's because, an important distinction yeah. to make though. Yeah. Cause I feel like there's a lot of seekers out there yeah. and it's like, <laughs> um, you, you're already, you're, you, <laughs> what you're seeking for is inside of you. Right, and, right. and it is a, is it a powerful, loving, creative force, mm. um, in my opinion. And, and you get, you know, you can create whatever it is that you want to create. And if you, you know, you can create, a state of just continued searching yeah. or you can create a state of like I am you know whole and complete wherever I go yeah. and yeah. I get to just play in this crazy sandbox <laughs> that we call earth yeah right how awesome is that <laughs> so you, awesome <laughs> how do you feel about how do you feel about terms like psychonaut uh, yeah I, see I, a I, lot I, of people are indifferent about that one well yeah. I would I'm not I wouldn't say I'm indifferent I I love the word, and I've also, I don't know if you guys seen that, um, the video that um, Jason Silva, where he talks about Psychonaut. No, I haven't. Oh I my gosh, was... it's so good. Oh. Um, Jason Silva's amazing. Yeah, he is. He's great, but. <laughs> I know. He has one where he ta- he's, he was talking about maps, and he talks about Psychonaut, and oh, he, wow. he kind of defines it, and he was saying it's like a soul surfer, mm. which I think is kind of like a <laughs> cool awesome. way of thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so I really like the word itself, but mm-hmm. the connotation that I have in my head, and I guess I've just sort of absorbed that through, I mean, common usage, I guess, was, um, is that a psychonaut is almost a little bit reckless. Hmm. Right. Okay. Um, and I don't know if maybe we need to, maybe I need to reframe or re, re, re um, what do you call it? Reclaim that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, cause I do like it, but it's just, it makes me think of people that are, they're kind of pushing the limits in a way that's a little bit more reckless. A little bit irresponsible. Yeah, I see. No, yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. I uh, we, we talked to Hamilton Morris, who was mm-hmm. not a fan of the word either, because he's very yeah. he's into like you know the science, science. and yeah. making sure yeah. that what he's taking is right. And psychonaut to him was sort of like just people that are like, I'll eat whatever I you know someone right. gives me, yeah. and I'm not going to pay attention to what it is. But right, right, so right. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I would that. consider myself a psychonaut in that I'm like I'm just. I'm driven by curiosity, but I'm also not like I'm not doing it in a way that's reckless. Yeah. Um, yeah. You so, uh, you mentioned the uh, the Zendo project before. Mm-hmm. You've had experience with sitting there. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that yeah, experience? Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I've sat with them once at Burning Man and once at Lightning in a Bottle. Um, yeah, tell and, us what it's like in there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, those have been like, those were the highlights of my experiences for, for yeah. those times that I've done it for the, the whole festival. Cause it was just being able to be there for someone when they so need it and to be able to like take care of our own. Yeah. Um, right. I think it's just incredibly responsible and powerful. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and what was kind of fascinating is that, like, my experience, because I've sat in a lot of 5-MEO ceremonies and I've held space in a lot of 5-MEO ceremonies. I haven't done it that many times, I think about four over the last couple of years, but, but I've sat in a lot of circles. And um, uh, 
because people are so out of their bodies in those experiences, you really just have to like hold this like rock solid space. Um, because you don't know what's going to come up. Yeah, and yeah. I felt like being in the Zendo was the same way because there were some people that were just out of their minds. Mm. And you just got to be there and just hold this like super compassionate, non judgmental space. Yeah, right. Because they're just going through what they need to process, you know. And, um, but it's just so incredibly powerful. And it's fascinating too to just see like the kind of variety of, because, you know, I, I don't, I've never had any friends that have, have, been so strung out, you know, or, or done, you know, or accidentally taken something or done too much in a way that in what I've seen and when I go and work at Zendo, you know, and it's, you know, I, 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 I'm so glad that we get to be there for their processes, you know, and because like, you know, it's, it's in some level, I think some part of them needed to have that experience to be able, you know, because they just need to work something out, you know. Exactly I mean, what it is. Right. I mean, and yeah. not to say that, like, obviously, like we need to provide more like education and support for people so that they don't accidentally get like bad drugs or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's not what they think it's going to be. Um, well, that would be good, Sam. <laughs> but I don't I don't again, I don't think it's a, you know, a lot. Of, I don't think it's like necessarily a bad trip. I just think it's like challenging and they just there's something mm-hmm. they needed to go through. Right. They needed to and address just, something. Yeah. That yeah. And I just, is, you know, surface, as long as we can yeah. give them a good place to be able to do that you know it it goes from something that could be you know potentially scarring if you're in the like not a good situation to something that's incredibly transformational if you look at all these other festivals and how they handle it who aren't as open as burning man Mm. or lighting in a bottle when they strap someone down and sit on their chest and you know wait it out or they they trank them or they trank them that's so much more damaging yeah, I mean, because you're stopping them right in the middle of their process. That's traumatic. Yeah. You know, and right. or you're just making them more stressed out. Um, a Burning Man that, you know, like they've been a little bit cagey and they're finally opening up to it um, because, you know, because of the Rave Act. So yeah, that was... it's right. Yeah, because it was... The Rave Act has made it really hard for That's any tough. venues to provide harm reduction support because it's acknowledging that there's drug mm-hmm. use at your event. Yep. So and so... You know, and so lightning in a bottle east on the west coast has been incredibly um, bold um, and pioneering in letting um, uh, and being very open about the fact that Zendo is 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 doing their work with them. And um, but Burning Man, you know, they've just been like, you know, it's they've been a, more, a slower a slower sell, you yeah. know, because they're just concerned, you know, because there's you know it's such a big event and there's so much they're scrutiny on the already. Yeah, so they're, they're, they just. They're in the newspapers. They're the ones that, that get the, the flack, you know. Right, right. Yeah. So These little festivals don't really don't right. see that. Make it that far know? out. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I would be really curious. So I'm putting it out there. So anyone responds to this podcast, that if you know of anyone that like any venues that are venues or um, uh, festivals that have been dinged for the Rave Act, because I, I get the feeling that not, it's not really enforced that much anymore. I think um, it's on the de- decline, definitely. But yeah, I have definitely. seen I have seen Dance Safe kicked out of festivals before. Yeah, so have I. Yeah, which okay. is the worst thing you can possibly yeah. do. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> terrible, terrible. Yeah, what? are you kidding me? That's like that's just yeah. so bad in so many ways. Yeah, the Dance Safe guys are really great. Yeah, um, and providing great service like Zendo, right? right? Yeah. Harm, <laughs> harm reduction in, in all shapes and sizes. You know, mm-hmm. if you could test something somewhere, and it be shitty drugs and mm-hmm. take it away and stop someone from having an emergency. I mean, <clears throat> that's, there's no better solution than that. <laughs> I know. But you take that away and then you end up with trips to the hospital and unconscious kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's ass backwards, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, <laughs> don't assume that the system makes sense. No, right. Of course. <laughs> Never assume that. But it's logical. <laughs> right. But, it, but at the same time, it is important for us, you know, us sitting here and, and talking to you to remember that both sides of it are can be intense. Like you sitting with somebody and helping them through a challenging experience is so important, but somebody having a challenging experience and then getting tranked to this tra- traumatizing experience is also very like they're, they're extremes sort of, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And we have to sort of treat them that way and, Right. It's not the norm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's like 
gosh, I, I wish we could like have numbers on like how many people do MDMA a year, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and like, and the, and, and the percentage of people that actually have problems with actual, you know, cause like very few people actually have problems with the actual MD- MDMA right, if compound, the you know, right and stuff, if right. they do, it's maybe because they're overheating, Correct. you it's know? Dehydrated, right. And so like, it's probably, you know, I think it's like probably it's like, the numbers or make it like safer than aspirin or something ridiculous. Right, I've heard. Hey, yeah. Safer than horseback right, riding. That's what I've heard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's also a lot of people taking not MDMA, thinking right. it's MDMA. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of, you know, um, test kits are super, super important. Mm-hmm. We're, um, I'm working with Dan Safe right now to get test kits that we can sell at our events. So oh, people that's awesome. can, Excellent. Yeah. So, I mean, not because we're not doing events that they would need to drug testing at the event, you know, but like just selling them to people so that they can empower themselves right. um, and, you know, and, and test their, to be like testers for their friends. It's a number, it's the number one defense line. I mean, we, I'm, I'll, I'll say it, we've been to festivals where people walk around and they say like, you know, Hey, I have this. Can you just say, Hey, I have a testing kit. They'll either walk away. Because they know mm. what they what they have is garbage, or they'll be like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you. Don't, you might most of the time you don't even need to use it, right. as long as you right. have it as a form of defense. Right. Yeah, you know, it might I, be cool too uh, to like, um, you know, at a festival, put outside your tent or something. Be like, "Hey, I have a drug testing kit," yeah. right. you know, Please. and just like provide that as like yeah. a service to you know your yeah, little local you know me, yeah. group yeah. of your camping campmates. And you know, it's funny. We were actually thinking about doing that, uh, setting up like a tent yeah. club. Yeah tent and saying like hey if you need from like to come noon and- to one or yeah just pop over yeah yeah i don't know just if make really sure that, to do that. Like, yeah. you know, talk to <laughs> too late safe. i already said it yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. talk to dan safe uh because yeah like it just in terms of like providing that service you can give them the test kit but you don't touch the drugs at all sure, exactly yeah, sure. yeah you don't want to ever have like we're just making sure no one seals our table but, yeah <laughs> that's the loophole, I guess, because that's the big yeah. defense. Well, you can be there; this. you just can't touch it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's the big thing, is because when you hand the drug over to the to the dance safe person or the volunteer, mm-hmm. they can now be arrested for yeah. that drug. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, you know, I think I think things like um, the Aware Project and the Zendo Project are the sort of in the same. Uh, they're sort of along the same vein as having a testing kit. Uh, you might not need to use it, but you know it's there, and mm-hmm. you know that if you do need to use it, it's there for you, and it will help you. Right? Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's just like peace of mind. Yeah, it's just resources. Yeah. yeah. And I also think the big thing is to, I mean, I say this like almost every podcast, but we just have to keep talking about it. Mm-hmm. These things have to be keep getting brought up. You have to keep mm-hmm. sending people to these resources and telling people about these events happening and things that are possible at Lightning in a Bottle and Burning Man that you could be a part of. I think that's the biggest thing is just to, like coming out of the psychedelic closet, talk about it. Yeah. Right. Let right. people know. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I think something that I was thinking about recently was like um, making sure that this is like, because I, I think that are the people that have been doing this stuff for a while, you know, or that have been in the community for a while, um, this is, you know, relatively, you know, you know, that information's out there, but for people that are really new to it or quite young in the community, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, they've got just their peers, you know, so how do we start to make sure that there's like cross-generational yeah. information yeah. exchange? Yeah. yeah, you know, you, I, I, I heard you mention on Zach Leary's show that like, mm-hmm. and I, I'd say we are the same, we're of a different sort of like generation, we're not deadheads, we're like right. from the dance generation, sort of mm-hmm. like my first yeah. experience with... Mm-hmm drugs was mdma at a music festival realistically right. yeah and like it grew from there so mm-hmm. we're kind of of a different breed it's a, it's you know yeah. different branch of the same tree yeah exactly yeah. yeah 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 so i think that the we need to be sort of re-educated and people mm-hmm. need to people that are like us need to know that there are others you know find the others mm-hmm. and... <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because i mean when i did this stuff at first like i mean the people that i did it with and the people that gave me the drugs were like awesome and they you know they made sure it was like a safe space you know and they, yeah, they course, yeah. but like um they didn't test their drugs right, and they yeah. didn't um you know know anything about harm reduction you know and that that phrase didn't even wasn't even part of our language right, you know exactly. and um you know we didn't know about you know psychedelic research you know all these things yeah. mm-hmm. so that all came later when i had this like you know, blast open experience. And I'm like, I need to know everything about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you know of any like significant success stories 
friends either with like PTSD or were abused maybe or well um well I just okay so it's interesting that you um mentioned that because so um uh this the other job that I'm starting to work right now is a um as a counselor um at a um uh IBA in, in a uh, addiction clinic oh, called Crossroads oh, wow. awesome yeah. Um, in Mexico, um, cause, um, Iboga and, um, toad medicine are both, uh, unscheduled there. And so they have a program for addiction treatment for people that, um, are addicted to opiates and they use Iboga for that. Um, and then they follow the experience with a toad, um, or they follow the program with the toad experience, hmm. um, which, um, one of the people that was, uh, and so they have an addiction program and then they have a psycho spiritual retreat program for so people who don't have an addiction problem can come for a psycho spiritual uh experience using both iboga and the toad. Wow. So That's I am one of the people that helps run those retreats. Cool. And um it's incredibly incredibly uh rewarding work because just seeing people's uh transformations is it's just mm-hmm. incredible. Oh, and, sure. um, yeah. And I just, you know, there's some people that, that came through this weekend of just that, you know, depression and, you know, just some rough stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, by the end of the weekend, it was just like, they were f- glowing mm-hmm. and like, <laughs> so and were so incredibly grateful and giving yeah. me hugs. And yeah, I was yeah. just like, Oh my God, this is, this is my job. <laughs> <laughs> the, and the medicine yeah, um, right. the medicine and, speaks for itself it's just like yeah, yeah i can't even sometimes it's hard for me to to describe to people like why it's so effect like why I, I it's so effective you just have to see how it affects people that have like ptsd and those kind of things right. and depression and like once you see it you're like oh wow okay right. <laughs> yeah to convey yeah. happiness yeah i mean it, at the same time though like what I've also noticed is that people have to want the change. Of course, um, yeah. Cause I have also seen people with PTSD that go through the program and it's like they weren't, their ego is still attached to their victim yep. story yep. and they're attached to their pain. Yep. And the medicine can try and open you up and kind of try and show you things. But if you're not willing to look, that's right. you're not going to get the healing that you're looking for, even though, you know, so it's, it's not a panacea by all means. I think that permeates through all of these different psychedelics used yeah. for therapy because John Harrison said the same thing about Iboga. Right. He said, if you're, you know, if your ego Rich is people still just there, send their kids. And, yeah. And yeah. the kid doesn't want any part of it. They right. still does it. They relapse heroin, in two yeah. weeks. Yeah. You know, if you don't want it, it's not going to happen. You have to yeah. want it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, in your whole, I think, because I've seen too, is like the, if your ego is, if, I mean, you may want change because you feel like miserable, but at the same time, if your ego is still intact enough that you're going to be kind of angry <laughs> and like, right. and fight the medicine, then you know it's like <laughs> yeah, you're right. not like it's still attacked intact enough to to fight off what could be potentially like very healing. So how so. long have, how long have you been working as a counselor for there at that um, particular? Well, it's been a while, but yeah. I because I was working full time, I haven't actually worked many retreats. Sure, sure. So um, you know, it's I've only done a couple retreats so far can you tell um, like when people come in which ones are are there for because they want to be and the and the ones that are there just because they think like it's going to be a miracle cure yeah a little bit <laughs> um i mean i'm getting more you know the, getting to getting yeah. to know the kind of spectrum of people sure. more often um but you know uh for people that are most of the people that are coming to the psycho spiritual they're like a little more open you know um but, you know, it's – and one of the things is like with both of those medicines – I mean with any medicines, I, like I just come back to like really coaching people to just trust the medicine, yep, right. you know, because yep. like 
it may it it may be very challenging. Yeah. It especially with Iboga, it's probably going to be very challenging. Yeah, right. um, but the thing is, like, you just got to trust the medicine, right. and it's going to show you what you may or may not want to see, mm-hmm. and or it may not show you, you know, because some people don't have visions, you know. But just trusting that, like, you're getting, you know, whether it's in a sort of cellular level or in a conscious level, you're getting what you need, and it may not make sense to you right off the bat, but it will eventually click in again they're back to the integration right yeah. right right it's, yeah it's the most important thing you know mm-hmm. you can have you can have the the uh, the best trip or the worst trip but the integration even after a difficult experience right. is the important thing right you, you, you learn from both <laughs> yeah right right yeah and right. a lot of in the people that like i've seen do toad medicine like most people have an amazing experience some don't remember it, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. sure. we call like white out where they just kind of go into the light and then oh, wow. they come back and they're like, wait, do I need more? I, I, I don't think I had an experience. And you're oh, like, wow, no, wow. you had an experience. <laughs> you just don't, <laughs> it's like, it, it'll probably like click in in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> um, oh, crazy. um, but then other people have like really challenging experiences where they feel like, all the pain of the world or they feel like this intense guilt or like these extreme feelings and um and it could be left quite raw afterwards but (laughs) but even for people that have experiences like that usually if you talk to them a couple months later they're like yeah it was really challenging but i would do it again (laughs) because they like they they still got a lot out of it right yeah yeah and um maybe not the day after but a couple weeks later you know it's definitely like pretty rough for a while but like in the end it, it was they they see how impactful it was yeah absolutely the uh the toad medicine you said it was about 40 minutes of of the trip mm-hmm. and then yeah. isn't ibogaine or aboga like 24 hours yeah it's approximately i mean it's kind of got um it's like a has you know the peak experience happens within like you know, we start probably going into the, so, so Iboga has, it's, it's not like an ayahuasca. You don't have Mm -hmm. like visions like ayahuasca, but it's more kind of like a lucid dream and it can be very like realistic. Um, and that experience lasts, you know, maybe starts kicking in within like two to three hours and that lasts, you know, for maybe five to seven, eight hours. And then you kind of will sort of slowly fade out of that. And then you may be not necessarily saying visions anymore, but you're going to be like really groggy for okay. like another 12 hours mm. or so. So would you try to, I don't want to say integrate while it's happening, but because it's such a long period versus mm. such a short period, mm-hmm. is it, you guys obviously treat it differently or ultimately you're getting to the same goal. So you kind of go the same way. What do you mean? Um, I guess for like the, not just integrating, but um, like a therapy kind of like talking through like uh, DMT. I feel like you're in more of your own world and you might not be able to be. Uh... Oh, I see. Um, yeah. So DMT, sure obviously you have to talk when the person <laughs> Yeah. It gets back to their body. Um, <laughs> Talk to but, you in 20 um, minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but then with um, Iboga, like typically they just have their own experience. Like I'm like the nurses at the clinic that I work at will um, – because they do, you know, you experience, you have your main experience during the night and then the nurses take care of you because it's important to have, please, please don't ever try and take this by yourself because it can please be don't, very, don't. if you don't, if you have any, Anyone listening, um, there are don't. several drugs that um, um, can interact with it and yep. you can also have heart, your heart can slow too much. Um, and so you really wow. need someone that knows what they're doing yeah. and preferably someone that has medical experience. So that's why we do it in a clinic. Um, but the, the, um, so the, the, the nurses will just watch over the, the people cause you, you also vomit and have quite a bit sure. of nausea during the experience too. <clears throat> so they're just kind of tending for your like bodily needs. Yeah. Um, okay. but if anyone has any, is experiencing any kind of more psychological needs, then, then they come and get me. Um, uh, I haven't had any experiences where I've had to have support someone like 
during wow. the night, but like I did have um, a person over the weekend where they needed, um, it was like the next kind of late morning and they were kind of like crying a little bit. And so I came over and I just mm. sort of like held their hand and, and they spoke to me a little bit and, you know, cause the, you, you're, 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 you're still there for the Iboga experience. So, yeah. um, you can have conversations sort of, but most people are pretty groggy and just want to kind of like just rest. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they- we usually don't integrate until like late the next day okay do they take it and you just let them be in a bed somewhere mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so there's no yeah. chanting or anything like that or talking. yeah we have we have like um like music that we play um so that this kind of soothing instrumental music um just to kind of provide sort of a soothing background <laughs> right no words that's the key yeah. right it's got to be <laughs> instrumental yeah just so that it doesn't pull them out of their experience. Almost like a metronome yeah. just some, or ambient noise. Yeah, yeah. In the morning, they put on more kind of like, you know, those like <laughs> soothing noises, like sounds of the ocean, <laughs> like bird chirping. Bird chirping. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so what do you yeah. think will be the, like the big push in changing society's mind on psychedelics? Or what is society's holdup that we need to get rid of? I mean, I, I think it's just... It's just having a non-charged conversation about it, you know, a non-emotional conversation about it and, and, and just kind of um, presenting – well, I mean, I think MAPS has it right. I think yeah. that the um, – I think the main wedge um, in – or, you know, breaking the kind of conversation is from the medical perspective um, because, you know, we have a very secular society and um, I think that – and people can't really argue with medicine working well. That's right. yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's so like kind facts. of the, yeah. the main, the main push. Um, but as far as like, I mean, I, I always encourage people like tell your story, you know, because like people's minds don't get changed by, you know, things that they necessarily see on the news or other things like that. But you know, if you tell your story, not from a perspective of like, you should do this too, but like, this was my experience and it was really profound and it really helped me in these different ways. And then just kind of leave it at that, you know, no preaching, just, you know, just tell your story and, and tell it from like an emotional place, like Mm -hmm. tell it, tell people like how it, how it changed you because they'll feel that. And that's something that's very like, you know, we're very empathetic creatures. We, we can feel each other. And I think that that's, um, that coupled with, you know, the science showing that these things are safe done in the right context, I think is a really great combination. This is how we make real tangible change to the ethos. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, I mean, it's so fascinating that, you know, all these, you know, you guys and me with the aware project and all these other things like so much stuff is popping up right now. <laughs> you know, it's, just, so it's in the field. It's so funny you that know? you say that because I, I don't. I don't personally. I don't believe in coincidence, and I feel mm-hmm. like we, you, and and a couple other of groups have like hit the same wavelength at the same time. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're all getting some kind of like message or something. Yeah. Right. What? I, I don't know what it you is. Know, we're but... tapping into some. I don't know. Like. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't pretend to know how to. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, but I mean. We're, you know, I mean, this, the, all these things are getting more and more people are trying these things every day. And the thing is that, like, there's no doubt in my mind that this is a huge part of what the future is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, and it's something that most society, most of society has no idea about. So, yes. like, this is this is the wave of the future. This so is the future. We're changing it together. It's not, <laughs> it's not going away. No, because. You know, the information age is here and we also, the information age is combining with the psychedelic age. That's right. And it's unstoppable in my, in my mind. And this information is reaching the whole globe. That's right. Yeah. Everyone has access to the information. It's Mm -hmm. not going to be ever lost again. There's no excuse anymore. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's just going to keep reaching more and more people. And they're Mm -hmm. so powerful that people are going to continue having more and more powerful transformative experiences. And then. They're, you know, just like the four of us felt compelled to, to do something right. um, for the world. Maybe ne- maybe it's not necessarily, you know, uh, with psychedelics per se, but felt compelled to, to serve, you know? Right. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to say I, I feel like I'm helping 
people. I don't want to say that because, you know, you're doing so much more than we are at the time. We're just talking about it. But I want more people to know when you see someone with a cluster headache and you see that the only thing is Mm -hmm. psilocybin or LSD, that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you just watch a video of someone having a a cluster headache, it's so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. If you could just show that to everyone who's Mm -hmm. against mushrooms or or psilocybin (laughs) and then show them that this is the only thing that cures them, like, how could you deny it? Yeah. Right. You know, it's and becoming I, undeniable. In the age of information, yeah. ignorance is a choice. And That's I think right. we yeah. just have to keep showing people these examples mm-hmm. and showing that, uh, you know, a Marine who comes back and jumps up in the middle of the night sweating and screaming is right. cured by three rounds, four, four rounds of MDMA treatment or, right. or someone who smoked three packs a day for 30 years took some mushrooms with John Hopkins and now they don't right. smoke mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think this information just needs to be spread, and that's what we are right. a part of that, us right. for. <laughs> and I, I don't think that, like, it's necessarily that everyone is, like, super against these things. I, if, you, if you're just not around this stuff, I just don't think that people think about it. I, I agree. Yeah, right. You know? Because I just, I, like, before I got into this stuff, like, I didn't really think about no, you drugs, don't, you, you don't, know? Out of sight, out of mind. You know, it's funny. I, I work for, you know, a, sort of a pretty big company. And I put this podcast on my resume when I got a job there. And, like, it, it, it says on the top of our homepage, like, furthering the psychedelic renaissance. And now people come up to me at work and they ask me about it all the time. Now, meanwhile, if I was, like, a marijuana advocate, like a strong marijuana advocate, they might be, like, half the people would be, like, eh, that's weird. The other half would be, like, yeah, right on. Right. Yeah. But with the psychedelics, people are so curious about it, even if yeah. they don't have any idea about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're and just I think so that, curious. I think the curiosity is the thing that, like, and that's what I talk, you know, if you go on the Aware Project webpage, mm-hmm. um, uh, like, that's kind of one of our core principles is curiosity. Yeah. Because, you know, when you tell your story, it makes people curious, and then it gets them started on their own little, like, right, exactly. trip down the rabbit hole, <laughs> yeah. you know, where they're like, huh, maybe I should yeah, look yeah. that up. And then they look it up, and then they're like, whoa, what is this, all this stuff? And then, you know, and then they're off and running. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, because I think that everyone has their own path, you know, it's not, it's not, we we need to be shifting out of this external motivation to intrinsic motivation, right. you know, um, and I think that curiosity is that internal motivation. Well put, well put. And what, so what else are you working on right now, aside from everything that you've talked about? <laughs> I, used, I know you're doing a lot, so just yeah, why don't you tell everybody everything right now. Everybody, everything. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I'm also, because um, <laughs> Zach actually was talking about, like, he's like, I think I talked about it on the podcast, but it may have been before or after the conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm like now offering like sitting sitter services, okay. so trip sit services because, um, and that may get bundled into the integration program at some point. But it's like if you're already going to do a drug and you're not, you don't want to do it by yourself, or you don't have people around you that are, you know, that are good at navigating this, like. Yeah. Like me and I have some other friends that will, you know, can come and like sit with you while you have an experience or go with a hike with you for mm-hmm. while you have an experience sure. um, and just sort of be there, you know, and I'm not like providing any kind of like therapeutic, um, yeah, you just, know, just training, you know, or, or, or support per se, but, you know, just, just being someone that around, knows right? the, the, um, the terrain and, <laughs> um, and can provide, you know, and knows how to like, provide good good setting and can help with the set Mm -hmm. of your mind Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of something that i'm exploring too um and actually over the weekend someone and i'm like oh i should totally get business cards that say this say uh because i was like what should i call myself and what am i doing right now and he said you're kind of like a psychedelic flight attendant yes brilliant Brilliant. So, do oh, it. you have to do that. I know. I'm like, okay, I'm totally a psychedelic explanation. Oh, right and, on. I love it. Yeah. I was like trying to come up with these. None of the other things just like felt right. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh, that's really great. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. All right. Why don't yeah. you tell everybody how they can find you? Uh, yeah. Websites, you know, Twitters, all that stuff. Yeah. So um, uh, our Aware Project website is awareproject.org. Uh, my personal website is ashleybooth.net. 
Um, we are on Twitter, awareproject.org, and Instagram, which I use sometimes, <laughs> is also awareproject.org. Um, YouTube, I don't know. We don't, I don't, I don't know what our, but we're on Facebook too, Aware Project, and you can connect, basically everything you can connect to through the website. But all of our salons are videotaped and are available on YouTube. Eventually, we'll get them onto a podcast um, when I have time. Right. Um, and um, yeah, reach out. And on the on the Aware Project webpage, we have a link to the integration program. Right now, it's just you know to to um, it's like a form to fill out about interest in it. So if mm. no matter where you are in the world, like if you're interested, fill it out and may, in so you'll get on our mailing list about it. And then you know whether you're someone that's interested in participating in the program or you want to be a counselor or you want to just volunteer in any way, or even if you're a facilitate medicine ceremonies and you want to have um, integration support for your people that are going through your program, like we're also going to be working with providers on a sort of a um, informal basis. Like, you know, we don't provide the medicine, we don't refer people, but we also, but we can provide services for your people. Perfect. Awesome. Ashley, it was so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much. Oh, man. I'm so glad this. I'm so glad we did this. Uh, I'll have links to everything on our website, too. Uh, And, you know, maybe we'll work together in the future. But for now, we're we're already working together. That's right. You're right. (laughs) For now, for the Tink Tink Club, I am Matt Landis. I'm Chris Conti. I'm Tim King, and we will tink you later. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, Go to awareproject.org for more information uh, and to find more videos and talks and more podcasts uh, that Ashley was a guest on. Uh, go to tinktinkclub.com for uh, more links and information about uh, upcoming events and news from us. Uh, go to maps.org, of course. Uh, while you're there, check out the Zendo Project, which uh, we briefly mentioned during the show. Uh, it's very important work that MAPS is doing. And um, more people need to know about it. So do yourself a favor. Go to maps.org. Search for the Zendo Project. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Tink Tink Club. Find us on Instagram at Tink Tink Club. Uh, send us an email, tinktinkclub at gmail.com. Uh, we like to hear from you. You know, good, bad, whatever. We, you know, we love you. And uh, remember to love each other.
I saw eternity, the endless, the infinite in those stars. And I knew without a doubt that the stars, our Mother Earth, all of creation is alive. Thank you.